VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello Rockers and welcome to our rare midweek episode of the podcast. I'm Alex Lowe and we've got a, a packed show coming up today. Conrad Smith joins us, Jess Hayden's on to talk about uh, huge news in, in the women's game. In the studio with me today is Alan Dimmock and there is an empty seat in the studio, Al. Yeah, uh, it's kind of eerie actually. Yeah, it feels, is it a bit like that old Have I Got News For You episode? Do we need to... Do we need to put something in there for the missing... Oh, hang on a minute. Is that... Steve, is that you down the line? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, Stephen Jones was supposed to be here in the studio. He was teed up for it. Steve, where are you? In uh, Oslo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Steve uh, is not in the studio, but the wonders of modern technology, he is with us on Zoom down the line. How are you, Steve? Uh, very well indeed, thank you. Very well indeed. Uh, Al, how are you? Yes, very good. I've just come back from uh, some time spent in Scotland. I feel refreshed, ready to go. It's autumn. So have I, actually. Oh, have you? Yeah. I was I was in there for the weekend. I went to Edinburgh, but we took the sleeper train up on Friday. Big adventure for the kids. Edinburgh, two days in Loch Lomond, and flew home last night in time to record the pod. So you took the high road? Brilliant. I did. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. went to um, I went to an old venue that we've all used to attend, the East India Club, last night for the launch of the um, of Floyd Stedman's uh, excellent new book, and it was a great night because it was like the old days. There were loads of people cr- crammed into a room, uh, including the, the Vunipolas, um, and a really really friendly night in which plays and and press and all sorts mixed. It was a great. It was a great night, and uh, it was a great. It's a great book, so that was uh, pleasurable as well. Although I wouldn't say I feel that refreshed this morning. Is that why you're not in the studio? Have we just uncovered the reason why you're stuck at home? Oh, it's not. I just, I just <laughs> got, the, got the day wrong. Just got the day wrong. Amazing to think that was the that used to be the you know, the headquarters of of English rugby. That's where the teams were picked. That's where all the. All the big decisions were made in in smoky rooms and, and over whiskeys. I'm, I'm sure the England that was the, that was the headquarters of World Rugby. I'm sure the England team was getting picked there last night as well, but we'll we'll get to that further in the show. They used to go, and they used to, you know, these days, as you know, boys, they um, they work out what the new laws should be of the scrum by you know having um, farming them out to competitions for trial laws. What they used to have there was like Mickey Steele Bodger uh, of the England rep would take off his jacket, and uh, someone else would take off their jackets, and they'd scrummage. In in the uh, in these big hotel corridors, and that's how they got the the the, the new law changes, etc., 
to new laws, they'd scrummage, but they wouldn't take their ties off. They just take their <laughs> jackets off and scrummage in the corridor. I, you think I'm joking, but I'm, I'm not. I'm not. That's the way he used to do it. How much of that was going on last night? Maco v Billy. Well, Nick King was there, so, oh, so quite was, a lot then. Let's say scrummaging was a, was a, was a, was back on the agenda last <laughs> night. Well, today we're rocking. Coming up next, we'll have a big chat about the autumn and the perennial issue of Club v Country. So this weekend in Cardiff should be should be being billed as the Battle of the Hemispheres, the Six Nations champions against the champions of of the Rugby Championship New Zealand. But it isn't being billed like that, and it can't be billed like that really because Wales are missing five of their Premiership stars. In addition to to the injury and COVID absentees, they won't have Dan Bigger, they won't have Louis Rees-Samet, they won't have Callum Sheedy, etc., etc. Which brings us back to the perennial conversation about Club v Country, because there are three premiership matches, three premiership derbies happening this weekend, which will also be missing the the, the big name England players. Um, and so we we come to the same problem we always have, which is too much rugby, too many clashes, and big games being undermined by the absence of their stars. Um, Steve, you followed this whole journey of professional rugby through through to where we are now, do you ever see any conclusion to this? No, and there won't be one, lads, until uh, someone gives ground. And uh, the, the, the main point at issue is that unions have to find a way to, uh, to, 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 to um, unions have to find a way to balance their books without endlessly searching for more and more and more games. If you remember, only a couple of years ago, they were going to cut them back. There was only going to be two on some tours, etc. They never cut them back. They always are desperate for more of them. Clearly, absolutely clearly, the next step must be to avoid the utter shambles of a Wales-New Zealand game, uh, games that started in 1905, being completely denuded all these years on because they're not flat-out games. That is as an absolute disgrace. And I'm really pleased this time that more and more publicity have been given to that farce of a game. Uh, it should be. It should not be played. It is simple as that. And we do not need to have New Zealand up every year. And because we do, all the all the, the glitz and glamour of an all-black, even an all-black jersey, jersey is gone. Um, the, the, laughably, we keep on hearing there are always talks going on about the structured season and, oh, we're almost there, etc. We're all talking together. Uh, we, absolute we, rubbish. We should, we should um, clarify that the situation has arisen because this Wales-New Zealand game has been, has been approved by World Rugby outside of the agreed international window, which means those players who are contracted to their clubs in England are committed to playing for their clubs in England and therefore not available. So, Part of the issue, I think, is World Rugby approving all these games outside the window. We should also add that the Premiership has expanded this season to an extra round, um, which, Al, I think you were going to come to. Well, well, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's funny, Steve, Steve mentioned give ground. Um, I was thinking about the design of the season as it is. You remember in 2012 when there was that fresco of Jesus that someone tried to, to retouch and it ended up being an absolute <laughs> disaster? The... The international season is designed very much the same way. It's like well-meaning. Someone's gone in there with the best intentions. You create a bit of space, and then a league goes. Oh, look! There's a bit of free weeks there. We'll creep up right to the point where the, where it is. So, 
Steve said give ground. Anyone tries to give ground and the other people start encroaching. There needs to be a point where someone goes, yep, yeah, fine, can we get on the same same page about this? And it's it's interesting because it extends both sides as well. So when there's a test window, so for example, the, the URC, we were told that one of the big selling points of that league is that we'll have uh, more meaningful derbies and test stars will be able to play. Last week we had a derby, but because the Welsh squad were in camp preparing for this New Zealand game this week, we had teams in the URC where Welsh sides didn't have their best players on show because they were all uh, getting ready, hitting pads. Um, and surely that, that means that everything is getting detracted from. So we've got this interesting scenario where, with the Welsh national team, we've got the clubs suffering because they can't pick the best test players, but Wales can't pick the best test players because they're playing outside of the window. How do you design a season like that? Well, you, I mean, you, you never would. I, I, I may have mentioned this on the pod a couple of weeks ago, but I, I spoke to one of the investors into Saracens, who who's also the lead partner in in the Sharks in South Africa. He works uh, a lawyer in, in New York. He works with the the owner of the Florida Panthers NHL team with the Milwaukee Bucks NBA team, and they cannot get their head around how the Sharks could enter the URC, a new competition, with six of their most marketable players off playing in, for South Africa in another competition. Um, to, to the to outside of rugby, it makes no sense. And one of the, and, and so you'd never structure it like this because you're undermining everything. You're undermining Northampton, Leicester, Harlequin, Saracens. Harlequin's got to play Saracens without was it four or five England players? Um, but you're also undermining, as as Steve just so eloquently put it. You know, a hundred years, hundred plus years of of history between Wales and New Zealand. You're underlining that game as well. And additionally, I think there's now, I think the pressure will come. I think the pressure will come from investors into the game, from businessmen outside who who will force change because because it's undermining everything. It's, there's no value in in the current setup. And um, I wonder if the Japanese club game is might be one of the trigger points for that because Sean McMahon and Samu Karevi are staying to play in Japan for their clubs rather than join up with Australia for matches that are inside the window. Yeah, absolutely. And what makes that very interesting, I was speaking to some people down under about this yesterday, is the fact that the Japan squad, the, the, those two guys both play for Suntory, Sun Goliath. The season hasn't started yet. It would be pre-season that they're going back to get into. None of the Suntory, Sun Goliath guys that are with the Japanese national team are having to pull out this tour. Mm. This is it's shrouded in weirdness. Uh, this whole thing, but it's but again, it's it's become a big talking point down under, and I suppose that's the encouraging thing. If you can tease out a silver lining here somewhere, is that people were talking about this, um, and the head coaches of the Wallabies has been talking about this. And then we've got people in this this hemisphere talking about it as well. So at least we're sort of marrying up in what we're d- outraged about. We we are. I just it, it just feels that's a good point. That's a, that's a good point, I, and I agree with that. At least, as I just said, at least at least it's now coming on the agendas of people mm. not accepting it. But you know, the the, the, the Premiership is trying to get um, into a point a, a point a part where they can they can actually be either profitable or almost profitable, not lose. So much money. I mean, Gloucester, Exeter, Harlequin, Saracens, Saints, Tigers, the East Midlands derby with Saints playing well uh, and, 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 and Tigers top of the table. You've got some huge games here. I mean, Saints could probably got 20,000 into that had they wanted to. And, 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 and as you, as Al said, I think it's 
uh, at least people are talking and, and outside people are now saying, bloody hell, this can't happen. This is absolutely ridiculous. You don't go to the NFL and say, oh, sorry, boys, we've got seven players out tonight because they're playing to, for America. It's absolute rubbish. And I, 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 and I really think that um, with, with outside investment money coming into the game, uh, uh, they have really got to uh, reduce totally their dependence on international matches. England, with respect, uh, Twickenham um, looks like a gigantic, colossal East End market scene when every sort of penny of it is trying to get money money from someone. And it's it's unedifying. And I'm, I'm actually, when you say that Owen Farrell plays less than one in three games for Saracens, the overlaps are ridiculous. And, and finally, the IRB, or World Rugby, should have said Regulation 9 applies both ways. You, you must release your players during it, but there will be no matches outside it. There's, there's an, it's in, I'm just going to pick up on something Steve said there as well about um, you know players uh, giving their best. Interestingly, so th- this isn't isolated because Ireland were also meant to be playing this weekend in the United States, in Las Vegas, in the, the Vegas Cup, completely collapsed uh, because of, quote, insurmountable logistical challenges. But this is something that they want to do every single year going forward. So they want to make this an event that happens every year. Um, now, this is all sorted out by a marketing company that works with the All Blacks and Ireland. Interestingly, I was speaking to Ruri O'Connor from the Irish Indo uh, last night, and he was saying that whatever happens, that tour would have been f- to, to blood young guys and give them a go. Fair enough. But actually... What the, there's a fear now apparently uh, behind closed doors that some of the Irish players in terms of test standards are going to be undercooked by the time they get to play a test against Japan because they haven't had that game so it's an interesting one where it's almost like the test teams are looking at these uh, extra games completely differently from where we are and it's they might be the people that aren't on the same page as the rest of us Interesting uh, I think another factor in this um, and that they stay deliberately below the radar but CVC are partners in in the United Rugby Championship, they're partners in the Premiership, and they're partners in the Six Nations who oversee these autumn tests as well. You can't think that they'd be pretty; they'd be happy with with big derbies in both um, club competitions and big test matches all being impacted by this. So you you wonder, you you kind of hope actually that behind the scenes they're applying some pressure to to find a solution that, that makes sure that rugby can properly sell itself, that that Wales New Zealand can be sold as properly, genuinely, the best team in the North be the best team in the South. That'd be lovely. Uh, CVC, we keep on using this name, um, Alex, and what do we think, what, what else would, how would we describe CVC amongst ourselves uh, in the two or three years they've been around? And my word would be shadowy. They have never once put themselves up to a press conference to, so that the rugby media and the rugby public television, mags, uh, etc. cetera, uh, they've never once put themselves up for it. So they are shadowy. So we, we do not know what the hell they want. We know that they want to make a lot of money out of it, but that, that's all we know. So until they come up into the public domain and stop creeping around beneath the floorboards, maybe we'll be able, um, it's always going to be the same. We need to know what CV's plans are and come out and tell us, lads, what you think the season should be, because a lot of it is your money. Steve, you'll be in Cardiff on on Saturday, uh, as will I. What do you expect of the game? 
Too safe for Wales? Um, uh, well, look, first, first of all, uh, it, it has got a bogus feeling. There'll be a lot of prancing about with that stupid hacker. They'll, they'll, they'll do all that um, just for the sake of the sponsors and the TV cameras. But um, it, it will it will feel bogus. Uh, Wales, the Welsh clubs are in awful form, so no one's well, not not awful, not very good form. So Wales, are, 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 unless some of these young players who are not affected by the years of defeat come through strongly, uh, in my opinion, I'm sure it's fine. There'll be a lot of people there, although not capacity. But in that match, Alex, there is an awful lot that is bogus. And, and cheap and nasty. There's an interest, Mike. We're going to hear from Jess later, but actually she um, there was a lot of crowing about, oh, it's going to be a sellout at, at, the, um, at, the, at the Principality. And Jess did an interesting thread yesterday where she basically courted a lot of um, Welsh, Welsh amateur clubs who have got their allocation of tickets to say who's got, and it turns out there's loads of tickets available. So if you if yeah. you still think you want to get one and, and go and watch Wales versus the All Blacks, and let's be honest, it's still it, you can still get excited about the game. It's still um, you know it's still the Six Nations champions versus uh, the most marketable brand in rugby. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you know uh, and an incredible rugby team. Then you know and you still want to check out Jess's thread and see which uh, local amateur clubs have got an allocation of tickets yeah. available because it turns out there's loads. And uh, a few yeah. days ago, I spoke to. Conrad Smith, the, the former All Blacks centre, who has enjoyed some success playing against Wales at, at the Principality Stadium, to pick his brains on where the All Blacks are, what he expects of that game, and and looking ahead also to, to, to France, New Zealand, which is probably the marquee game of the autumn. Conrad, I've been covering England for the last week or so, and there's a lot of talk about, about where England are in their, in their World Cup cycle, transitioning the team, rebuilding. The All Blacks heading to Europe as rugby championship winners again. Where do you see them um, to two years out from, from the World Cup? Yeah, it's uh, a good question. Um, I don't think there's an exact science as to how teams build into World Cups. I mean, the, the history of World Cups has shown teams have been in horrible form 12 months out of a World Cup and still managed to win. Other times, you know, they... They seem to build nicely and and get through, but um, look, I, I think they'll be they'll be happy with the depth in the squad, which is um, you know a big thing for all unions. I think now the way rugby's played, the well, and and that's nothing new, but the just the knowledge that injuries do occur and and getting through three knockout games, which is what World Cups are all about, is you, you're going to rely on more than. 15 or more than even 23 um, and and I think they have um, developed some real depth and positions that they probably didn't have even two years ago so that that would be the most encouraging thing and I, I think that's what they'll um, test again and uh, the the well the five games that they have on the whole tour but the the four in Europe particularly the All Blacks won that won the rugby championship without some senior players who who opted out of the bubble in, in Australia but a few of them coming back in. Um, Richie Mwanga will be on tour. You know, he, he's the fly half forces Bowden Barrett quite often to play at fullback. Who'd be probably the fly half in any other team. Um, as you said, they've got a real you know, embarrassment of riches that they bring north to you know, to Cardiff this weekend. Yeah, and and um, yeah, and like I don't know what the solution will be. I don't think anyone in New Zealand 
does in, in terms of that um, Bodie Barrett um, Richie debate at, at ten, and and like you say, there are two players that that would um, you know they'd they'd get picked in any, in any team. But uh, you, you're right. I think when you looked at that performance, um, well, the the performances in Australia um, against South Africa, they were tough tests and. To be to play, you know, New Zealanders are always harsh critics, and you know, they obviously lost that that last test. Um, but they were there was probably four of their first pick players. Um, when you look at the Sam Kane, Sam Whitelock, um, Bodie. So you know, I mean, sorry, Richie, who even if he didn't start, he'd definitely be in the twenty-three with Bodie um, and Aaron Smith. So those guys not being there, they still. They lost, um, but they, they they played a pretty tough test match. So to, to then come over, have those guys back in the squad, um, they'll hopefully be a lot better for it. And um, and, and they'll need it, you know, in, in this tour. There's going to be some tough games. It's going to be it's going to be exciting. There's a big conversation happening in England at the moment about how England balance their midfield. And, you know, you, um, you and Manonu were just the perfect pairing. Do you have a view on certainly in the modern game about about two playmakers, one playmaker, big ball carriers, or, or is it is it just you just have to, to make do with, with the best that you have available? Yeah, that, that's a it's a difficult question. I I, I get asked it <laughs> asked it a lot and, and I don't I think there's definitely um, attributes you need out of, out of your midfield, but I think it's wrong to then typecast, you know, your 12 has to do this and he's got to be the ball carrier and your 13 has to do that. Um, I, I think, you know, the ones that have done it or the, the back lines that work well, you know, you you have that ability right across a, a back line. And I'm even, you know, I think of South Africa at the moment, they've, I think um, they'd have the most balanced back line. Like since that World Cup, they've virtually had the same uh, seven guys. They're starting most tests and, and the strength of them, I mean, again, you can look at Dialanda and say he's a ball carrier and arms a little bit, you know, more of a distributor. But uh, I, I just think the range of threats they have across that that back line, and then you get um, just with experience, you get uh, just a, a real good coordination, and, and everyone's seeing different things. And there's just a lot of different threats uh, with your kick game, pass game, carry game, um, and I think as long as you do that, um, and that that's how you sort of pick your midfield and I know it's not really answering your question um but but I you know to answer it it's a broader thing sure there's your 12 13 but how they work with your 10 and um 15 obviously the All Blacks uh you know Fozzie's big thing is is around a dual playmaker role with your 10 15 but you know sometimes if you've got a 15 that's a real ball carrier you know you can look to your 12 to to be that um playmaker role so so yeah, somewhere in all that, there's, there's an answer, hopefully. But um, it's, it's, it's obviously this is what coaches debate about, um, build their careers around. Somewhere in that is is the answer of doing them play Manu Tulangi at twelve or thirteen. Do you have any standout memories of playing Wales at the Principality Stadium? I, I don't look back. I wondered if you played in the game that started with a standoff against the Hacker, but but I don't think you were playing that day. But you were playing. Yeah. Couple of years earlier, where you did the hucker in the changing room. Yeah, I remember that. I mean, I get asked my favourite place to play, and that—that's always, you know, my, my first answer. That stadium, 
um, ju just the the volume, you know, the, the the Welsh singing, the warm up. It's just a special place. You, you you literally cannot hear each other on the field, which is um, a little bit daunting when you when you first play there. But um, you, you learn to to love it. You love the challenge. I, I love the supporters themselves. I mean, they they're into you. You know, they're desperate for their team to win, but they also have the. You know, I like to remember, you know, the graciousness when I've watched a good test. You know, if the All Blacks have won, you know, they'll applaud you off off the park, um, and and that's pretty cool. So, yeah, it's it's you know a lot of lot of fond memories of a lot of great games there. And it is technically what it is: the the Six Nations champions against the winners of the Rugby Championship. Um, but in some ways, the, the the sort of the marquee fixture of this. Of this series is is France against the All Blacks over in in Paris towards the end of, of November. Have they made their mark on you guys down there? I mean, they they travelled to, to Australia and with a sort of second third team and and, and were engaged in a, in a hell of a series against the Wallabies. Is, is that a game that's in your diary to, to look forward to? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, you know you, you've called it the marquee game. I, I think it's seen the same down here, and that's no disrespect to the Welsh at all. Um, I I think and you know the position in the tour it's sort of at the end of the tour as opposed to the start um, and I know Ian Foster's already sort of said that they'll um, be using different combinations sort of to prepare themselves almost to replicate a real World Cup to then find their their top team for the you know the last couple of games and particularly that French game uh, that you know they're yeah, it's not lost on anyone in New Zealand how well the French are playing, and and French, the French team always hold a special a special spot for uh, New Zealand rugby supporters. So your work at the moment is it, focused on on representing the, the International Rugby Players Association, and I guess your most recent project was um, it, bringing in the, the the contact training limits on or the guidance contact training guidance that, that has been published by. By World Rugby, just can you just talk us through how that that came about and, and why it's so important to to at least take a first step and, and publish some guidance like this. Yeah, I suppose it came about um, because there was obviously a, a concern um, around the the toll that that rugby in, in general was having on on players and um, World Rugby and and obviously. Ourselves at International Rugby Players, we're looking for ways to front foot it and and see how to to deal with it. And um and and one of those things is obviously sort of starting by looking at at trainings because there was a lot of you know there was, there was a lot of information being spread which I don't think was was very accurate all the time. But that's the nature of anything, I suppose. Um, just in in, in terms of contact load and and how much was being done at trainings. And you know myself as a player that had spent um you know 15 years almost um playing professionally I, I i knew you know that that's something you have to consider not just the the load um during games but spent during the week and you know and so it really started um you know a project to firstly look at how much contact is going on sort of the monday to friday and and whether we can limit that in, in the hope that it would then limit the amount of um, head contact, but also just body contact that, that players go through so that they have longer careers and, and we look after them better. And, and yeah, that, that was the real uh, motivation for it. So the guidelines at the moment are 15 minutes of, 
full contact training, which is about five or six minutes lower than the average that came through in, in your survey. Um, it's half an hour of live mauling and, and scrummaging extras for sort of controlled contact, semi-contact training, which is pad work and that 40 minutes of pad work and, and, and yeah, such like. Yeah, and, and that's... Um... The, the thing was, most of the, you know, again, I speak for myself um, within an all-black team or a super rugby team, even while I, you know, where I finished with uh, at Poe, that, that, that was about what those teams all stuck to. Um, and, and I think it, it just tightens the, like that 15 minutes, that's full contact in terms of game-like situation. And that's all that most teams would do. And, and I think um, the real value um, from trainings is done in that 40 minutes controlled. And I know myself, um, particularly from mid mid season towards the end of a season, if I'd been, if I'd got through a fair amount of, you know, if I'm playing regularly, I, I, I wouldn't need a lot of contact. I wouldn't need many live tackles, but I'd still spend a lot of time, you know, on a pad, getting my footwork right, head placement right, shoulder, lead shoulder, all that, you know, good stuff that you need to do. To make sure you don't then get injured in a game, so you're prepared right. But you know, there's no need. Well, for me, there was no need to go through live tackle situations where there's a lot of, um, you know, things that you're not prepared for, which can cause injuries. You limit that to, to game day, and and then that's what you know we found um, that the big numbers only came from maybe those lower competitions where, where there's not the same level of education, and and this was. What the guidelines really is about educating, particularly those um, lower levels, as to what is done at the top level and and what you is all you need to do to to prepare guys for 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 games. Voiceover describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. Voiceover on settings, so you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Great to hear there from, from Conrad Smith uh, on uh, on Wales and, and the All Blacks' autumn. Um, let's turn our attention to Scotland. You've been up there recently, Al. Did you gain any sense of, of excitement about, about their autumn coming up? They've got Tonga this weekend. Well, yeah, I was, I was speaking to some people um, behind the scenes about Tonga specifically and, and what, they, what they want out of this game because it's another game that's outside of the window. 
it's not what you'd call a what, what you'd deem a, a, a tier one test. They're they've they've had their issues, um, which is we'll get to in a minute. But um, looking at them, cast your mind back and. When Gregor Townsend was on the Lions tour, Mike Blair, who's now head coach of Edinburgh, was was due to uh, step in and take charge of a, a tour to, to playing Romania and Georgia. And now that was blown apart by COVID, and they never got the chance. But people are still people in the camp are still talking about that. And one of the things that they want to do, I think, with this Tonga game is. Uh, rewards people for form, but also ch- check out some new talent. So on that, t- before that that summer uh, schedule was blown apart, they were very excited about players like Ewan Ashman, Josh Bayliss, Rory Darge, Luke Crosby, and Rufus McLean. They they wanted to blood these guys. They wanted to give them a a little taster of what it's like in Test rugby. And then I wouldn't be surprised if we see some of that against Tonga to 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 give these guys a nod and say, right now's finally your chance. Since that tour, we've also seen guys like Sione uh, Tuipulotto is getting a, a lot of ten, uh, traction amongst Glasgow fans. People want to see him, see what he can do in a, in a Scotland jersey. And the other thing is, is if we go to selection and who you're able to pick, well, Scotland have uh, a fly half in France and Scotland have a fly half in England. So if outside of this test window, are we going to see Ross Thompson get a lot of the ball in his hand? Now, he's a young player at Glasgow who people are very excited about to see where he comes from. So there's an element of that, but also... The other chat, the piece of chat that keeps coming out of Scotland is eighteen months from the World Cup. Eighteen months from the World Cup. So this is feels very much like they're going to be building depth. And if you're going to do it against anyone, it's probably against Tonga to start this one off. Tonga obviously are playing England uh, later in the window. Tonga have selected a team of forty players with twenty two based in France. They've had to basically go cap in hand uh, to France and say, "Help us out here," because it's out the window. Um, they will not be able to pick. You know, a player won't be able to play all three of their games this November. It feels like um, there are some interesting um, elements to that. So, for example, Lopetti Tamani. Remember, we all talked about Malachi Fekatoa um, playing in an Olympic qualifier event. Well, Lopetti Tamani has twelve caps to his name for the Wallabies. He, the back rower, played in the sevens qualifying event. Now is able to come and play for Tonga. So there's there are interesting storylines about that. But the most interesting thing, and it's I'd be interested to get Steve's thought on the, the whole thing in general. Actually, is uh, Totai Kefu, obviously a, a great player in his time. We, we may remember early in the year that that horrific moment where there was a, a home invasion that turned violent. Yeah. He was stabbed. He had to undergo emergency. Him and his wife had to undergo surgery. Uh, they're recovering from that. Obviously, he's not able to come on tour. He has, by all accounts, according to the CEO of the Tongan Rugby Union, played a big hand in selecting the squad. Played a big hand in negotiating with the clubs in Europe um, to about who can come in, but. Not an ideal start. So if Scotland are going to give a go to some young guys and let them gain some test rugby under their belt and maybe even earn their way to playing against Australia, it's the perfect start for them, really. Well, do you get any any sense of of a sort of a Lions um, benefit for, for the coaching team who went out there just in terms of working with, with, with the best of Britain and Ireland? Do you think that, that would have changed anything, infused any, any new ideas in... Gregor Townsend or or is he just going to I guess more of the same for, for Scotland particularly when Finn Russell comes back I mean certainly it'll solidify in people's minds where their strengths lie mm. um, but one of the one of the opportunities that games like this one show you is to the strength and depth because we know any World Cup cycle and genuinely it's it's similar there's a similar thing in Ireland at the moment as well where apparently the, the discourse has changed where uh, a lot of the talk has gone from game to game, week to week, test to test, to looking forward to the World Cup. Everything's designed about looking forward. 
which is sports people are, are not want to do usually but it seems that way from, from Scotland so certainly they need I think Steve's point about depth and position I suppose it's about the depth of quality in certain positions so Oftentimes in years gone by, you'd su- suggest that Scotland have the depth of a teaspoon in certain positions. Front row has traditionally been one that you you look at over and over again. Um, this this is they've they've got a very short window to try and build that depth now. So they'll be they'll be chucking people in. They'll be they'll be blooding folk, and it helps that some of them are throwing their hands up in the in the Premiership. Um, but I think that that's the that's the question marks in their mind. I don't I think the style of play that they want with with Gregor Townsend and Steve Tandy, they know now. Because they've had a couple of Six Nations to give it a go, they know that they can challenge England and France uh, when when they use that when that when everything clicks. It's now just about safeguarding that, as it were, sort of building a wee fortress around it. Oh, one of the best uh, Scots players I've seen this year, and I've not seen them all. I've seen a fair few. Is Matt Scott? Is uh, he? Is he t- got a, a chance of coming back into the team? Because he is an absolutely outstanding form at the moment. Yeah, and and he's one of those where he's 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 not he's had exiles from the Scotland squad in the past, and he's wondered what mm. it is that he's had to do. And he he took a chance. He let, he left Gloucester, came back to Scotland. It didn't quite work out for him, and then he went to Leicester. And hey, everything Leicester touched at the moment is turning into moles and tries. Uh, mm. So they uh, no, that's not fair actually. Everything they touch is turning to tries at the moment. Uh, they're playing phenomenally well, and he seems like a man in form. And thankfully, I mean, people have joked in the past about the the Tony Tombola where. Test, uh, test, and squad selections seem to have come out of a spinning uh, box, or maybe even come out of a hat. Yeah. Um, this, this is one of those where you can point to it and go, "That is a reward for form." Whether he decides that that's the best option for a test, uh, I'm not sure. Ugh, I mean, we all hate about hearing from from coaches, but you know, it's all about who puts their hands up in training, yada yada yada. But he's back in. He's got his feet under the table again. It's it's his to go, and it certainly is a man playing with confidence. Scotland not the only team who are talking about. About the World Cup now, in in terms of squad selection and and, and ambition, um, England that that was very much the tone of the England squad announcement last week, which which we discussed. Eddie Jones leaving out, you know, the Vunapolos were free to come and join you for a beer at the East India Club because because they're not in Jersey on the England camp. Um, mm. Eddie knows that if he if he's fired a uh, if he's lit a fire underneath them and they come back. The way he wants them to, then they'll be back in in for that World Cup. But he's looking at alternatives. He's looking at new at new players. Um, all the focus, certainly in the launch of the series this week with, with Over Farrell, was was his relationship with Marcus Smith, another player Eddie Jones wants to wants to run the rule over in 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 more competitive Test matches than than summer games against Canada and, and the USA. What do you think? Um, Steve, of, of of where England are heading into this autumn, of of the squad selections, of of the vision for the next few weeks. Well, first of all, it is um, 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 very accurate um, preparation for the 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 World Cup. The, the one Eddie's playing for is the 2093 World Cup, when some of the players uh, will have got out of nappies that he's chosen. Some of them may even have proven themselves to be any good because there are about 10 there who have not remotely done anything than one played a few games as reserves in, t- in, t- in touch in, um, in the premiership. Now, uh, what I think about it, um, Nick Dolly, God bless him. If he is a better player now, or even in two years time than Jamie George, I will, I, I will absolutely, uh, well, I'll donate all my money to medical science. Because it, the, 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 
Eddie, let's be fair, he doesn't have a policy picking this team. Okay, everyone is in there through a different policy. There is no, there is no policy there. He has really, really pissed off directors of rugby, really pissed off players, um, uh, and um, it is not the time to do it. And then suddenly he's got to go back and say, "Oh, sorry, I was only toying with you. You're back in now." Uh, this thing about Farrell and um, Smith. All lovey-dovey. That is purely because Farrell clearly hated it when Danny Cipriani came alongside him and they want to try and nip that in the bud, which tactically, I suppose, was right. Let's just wait till Marcus Smith has proved anything remotely like uh, a World Cup winning outside half. Then then we can shout about it. This, 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 this team is weak, wrongly selected. And the, the person I saw who played last weekend, who played the best, out of all these um, um, dummy-sucking youngsters that Eddie's put in four years too premature, was Mark Atkinson of Gloucester, 31, not one of the the dummy-suckers, really, really class player, really played it well. All typical uh, that uh, completely by accident you should get in a player like that. I was at dinner with Billy and Makovunipola last night, have to say I never plucked up courage to go and speak to them because they look just a little bit fierce. You won't miss a beat from the Autumn Nation series, tuning into the Ruck every week and across the TalkSport network. The action starts with Scotland against Tonga this Saturday, followed by Wales against the All Blacks from 5pm on TalkSport 2. Your top team will include Scotland's all-time record point scorer Chris Patterson and the former British and Irish Lion George North. The easiest way to listen is to download the TalkSport app and swipe. Tell your smart speaker to play TalkSport 2 or listen via DAB. And coming in November, TalkSport brings you England v South Africa and the Aussies. And with the men's uh, autumn internationals teed up nicely, we, we throw over to Jess Hayden from The Times to have a look at a big week of news in the women's game. After a quiet couple of weeks, we have an exciting week for women's rugby. Today, the Chancellor of the Exchequer, Rishi Sunak, announced that the government will support the RFU's bid to host the 2025 Rugby World Cup. Sunak has announced £30 million of funding to prepare the bids to host the World Cup and the 2026 Tour de France Grand Depart as part of a wider pledge to support sporting events in the UK. The bid, which is due to be formally submitted in January, promises the biggest Women's Rugby World Cup ever, with matches around the country before a sellout final at Twickenham. But we are just one year away from the next World Cup now and England have a crucial preparation match this Sunday as they face New Zealand at Sandy Park. This is the first of two tests against the Black Ferns for Simon Middleton's side this autumn and it is the number one team in the world, England, versus the reigning Rugby World Cup champions, New Zealand. England will also face the USA and Canada this autumn. In other news, the Allianz Cup begins this weekend. This is a new cup competition for the Premier 15 set to take place during international windows to allow wider squad players more opportunities to play in the first team. The Premier 15 sides are split into two pools of five and teams will play everyone in their pool once over five rounds. There are three rounds during the autumn break and two amid the women's six nations before the finals in April next year. This weekend, DMP Durham Sharks face Harlequins, and Gloucester Hartbury play Bristol Bears in a West Country derby. 
In Pool B, Worcester Warriors face Saracens and Sale Sharks play Loughborough Lightning. So it was a big week for women's rugby uh, in England and, and a big month to come, Al. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Jess mentioned there the World Cup bid and it's it's significant. We're, I mean, we're in the middle of the week here. We're slap bang in the middle of the week. So we're away to get Rishi Sunak's budget, but bits of it have been leaked out beforehand. And one of the things that's been talked about is a big pot of cash, 30 million being split across a grand depart uh, for the for the Tour de France in 2026 but also the bid for the England they're going to give some money to the England Women's World Cup bid uh, and to have it played over here uh, now that is a significant thing these big games and it is a big month uh, for England women um, playing against the starting off with the, the two games against the All Blacks playing at the Sandy Park that's also going to be on BBC2 you know all these games all the England women's games are going to be on free to air prime time terrestrial television so the phenomenal shop window for that for that event and you couldn't ask for realistically you couldn't ask for a, a better team to play against to show people the best of women's test rugby really right look it's 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 wonderful um i have to say that um you feel a slight um um sorrow for the the other countries who are working hard but haven't got the numbers or the strength or or the finance uh, but uh, i i really do think that the next world cup um, could be colossal um, in, in in England. I just wonder would would they? I don't know what Al thinks. Would they make the mistake that uh, for the best reasons that uh, the old World Cup in men's used to make? Would they just give one a couple of games to to Cardiff, uh, Dublin, and 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 Murrayfield just to share in it? I don't I don't know that 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 you do sometimes lose structure and, and you lose the impact there but um it, it look it's 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 terrific um really looking forward to these these live games on um on the on the, on the bbc and i know that the girls i coach have all got their uh play their players to watch with them you know watch their six or watch their 14 and all that so it, it, it'll be sensational I, I guess I, I would make a distinction between England going for the Men's World Cup very soon after the last one. I just don't think that is what they should have done, and I don't think that they should get that World Cup with respect to them. But this one, uh, England Rugby World Cup, as Al says, um, um, uh, uh, sorry, as, as 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 you say, guys, um, financial investment as well. Well, that, that's that's tremendous and. Could be, could be just another great leap forward, and and certainly people want to see how England fare against um, the Black Ferns uh, here because it's a good yardstick. Remember, we're we're not so far away from from the World Cup taking place in New Zealand next year as well. So, you know, there's there's a lot at stake. There's a it's a good measuring stick to, or at least good way of knowing what you're up against with the best in the world heading towards a major event. And I, th- I think looking at 2025. Um, Steve, to answer your question, there was no mention in the in the bid announcement of taking a game outside of of England. Although there was a lot of a lot of commentary around the the benefits, the wider benefits that that they believe can be had in terms of participation and coach development in Scotland and Wales from yeah. ha- from having the competition here. But I think if you if you cast your mind back to the last time England hosted the Women's World Cup in two thousand and ten when England lost the final to, to New Zealand. The final and the semi-finals were at the Twickenham Stoop and all the pool matches were played at Surrey Sports Park, you know, the University of Surrey-Guildford uh, on, on those pitches there. This bid 
is to make it a nationwide event to have pool matches played around the country to sell out Twickenham for the final 82,000 people that ambition alone shows just how far and how quickly women's rugby is developing um, uh, as a as a sport in this country and, and there was a, a line in my in my conversation with with Chris Robshaw last week where he was talking about some of the community service that he's had to go and do as a as a result of his barbarians um, misdemeanor uh, which has long been completed and 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 he's enjoyed it so much he's still going and, and visiting clubs but he said he went and coached an under 13s team and, and asked asked the girls do you want to play for England one day and one of the girls said no I want to play for the Red Roses and that alone as as one snapshot example show, yes. shows the impact that, that the women's team is having and to Al's point can, you know, can make an even greater mark over the next month uh, live on, on the BBC OK it is time the time has come gents for our weekly god or goddess of the feature <laughs> The time has come for our weekly God or Goddess of the Week feature. Al, you look excited. I'll throw it to you first. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's it's weekly, so that in no way do we forget about this every single episode no. and, and are scrambling around. <laughs> uh, so I will possibly be throwing to a piece of it for Rugby World uh, last night. Uh, I had a really interesting chat with um, Tim- Timothy uh, Timothy Jim Nagusa, who Fijian former Fijian winger. Uh, who's playing out in France, and he's uh, it's created a lot of headlines in France um, about parental leave for professional athletes. Um, he's decided to take uh, paternity leave. Um, he's informed his club that he'll be taking it, even though they've asked him to come back and, and play. He hasn't played a game yet for Grenoble, um, but he has said, I'm entitled by French law to 27 days of paternity leave. My wife is struggling. We've got a newborn. We've got a 13-month-old. I will be helping out of the house, and that's where my, there's best use of my headspace. And even if wherever you stand on that even if it's just to generate a debate about this I think that that's a very, a very and that's an incredible thing we need to be talking about stuff like this um, I've spoken to some people who have said you know tear down stigma about stuff like leave and asking for help or, or doing that kind of thing so certainly if only just for a conversation starter I'm very I'm very glad of it Good shout Steve have you got have you got a nomination? I, I have got a nomination uh, it's not um it wouldn't be a, a dramatic uh, plucked out the air, but um, I worked with Floyd Stedman with his book and Ed Griffiths. Uh, Floyd Stedman was a guy who played 460 times, 60 odd times to Saracens. Uh, but, uh, and actually, at his book launch last night, a lot of us were saying, Jesus, I had no idea what happened to, to Floyd in the rest of his life, which was absolutely dreadful tragic but also triumphant so floyd stedman's the book the book is worth looking at uh, i don't hold any commercial consideration in that at all so my uh, god of god of the week is floyd stedman were you at a celebrity party last night I, I, you hadn't mentioned it i don't know no i did i mention it a few times well, i was at a celebrity <laughs> party yeah but other people of less status than i weren't allowed in but I uh, I was in there and it, and it was tremendous. Steve, I, I don't think I can come up with a nomination that would be either of those two. They they can get joint joint uh, absolute oh. cop out. This. Hang on, you've got to find Gillard. No, somewhere. I don't. I'm, I'm in the I'm in the chairman seat today. I I'm going to award. No, uh, there's no way that anyone's going to be either of those two nominations. So, right. uh, gents, thank you, everyone. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back on the usual day next week. 
to uh, pick the bones out of Wales, New Zealand and look ahead to to England's first game. Please uh, keep listening. Please subscribe, like, do whatever it is you need to do on your normal podcast provider. And we'll see you next week. helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone.